Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Bunny Michael. When you approach your life from the consciousness of your higher self, then knowing how worthy you are, every aspect of your life begins to change. Your relationships, your career, your self-care, your body image, everything. Because this is the process of unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. True success starts with knowing how much you deserve. Following your higher self is an awakening process and it's no easy feat. But as you will hear from the callers on this podcast, our paths might look different, but our journey is the same. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. everyone and welcome to episode 60. Thank you all for being here. I am so grateful. Before we get started, I wanted to make a quick announcement. This month's live episode on Zoom is going to be happening on Saturday, October 23rd at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And the focus of this month's live episode will be Higher selfing your romantic relationships. Yes, so the monthly live Zooms will have a focus each time and this month is going to be romance and I know that a lot of you have questions about that and I'm going to be doing a little talk about the conditioning that we have around romance. We're going to be talking about what it's like to be single or in a relationship, all of that stuff. So if you want to ask me a question on the live Zoom, you can send it into the chat and I think it might be helpful to prepare your question before the event starts. That way you can just send it in when it starts. I'm going to be answering the questions in the chat. All right, and you can attend those live episodes when you are in Angels tier on the Patreon. So if you haven't subscribed to our Patreon, make sure you do that at patreon.com forward slash exohigherself. Sign up to be an angel and you can attend every month's event. Fun, huh? And if for some reason you really, really want to attend the live Zoom and you just can't afford to sign up for the angels tier, send us a DM on Instagram or a message on Patreon let us know and we will work it out, all right? Okay, so how has everyone's week been? Mine has been pretty eventful. We have been adjusting to living with our new puppy and you know what? It hasn't always been easy. This is my first time, so I'm learning a lot. And I noticed that when the puppy is being like really annoying, you know, biting me and chewing on the furniture and chewing on my pant leg and like biting my toes or chasing the cat, It's really easy for me to get frustrated and in a weird way, like after it's been going on for so long, (laughs) I start to 
take it personal, like the puppy is intentionally not listening to me or like trying to like hurt my feelings or something, even though that's what puppies do, you know, that's their instinct and they do it until they've been conditioned into new behaviors. And it reminds me of how much we misunderstand each other as humans. It's really easy to take things personally when someone does something that offends us, right? Because we often assume that person should know what we need or they should know better. But all of our behaviors are a reflection of where we are in our growth and how we have been conditioned to behave. There are so many contributing factors to a person's choices that have nothing to do with us, right? And so taking it personally, aka making it about ourselves, can be very limiting in our perspective and understanding of the situation. Seeing someone's behavior from the lens of your higher self is like looking at it from a bird's eye view, a higher level of consciousness. And it gives you the vision and understanding that there's always much more going on than what meets the eye, right? People have wounds. They have their learned hierarchical beliefs. They are still outgrowing their conditioning. They have triggers. They have fears. They have insecurities. It doesn't mean that people aren't responsible for their behavior, but it means that you are not responsible for all of it, right? That it's not just about your relationship to that person. And from that vision, it's a lot easier to know how to react, to know when to step away, to know what to say, to know when to have a conversation, to know when to have a boundary, because you're able to have a better understanding of actually what is really going on here. And it also helps to be able to see yourself from that lens as well and your behavior from that lens. Like, okay, how are my wounds contributing to this? Did I get triggered here? Did I make this a bigger deal than it actually is? Did I say something that I actually really didn't mean, but I just felt really fearful? This is the practice of our higher self. This is the perspective. It's wisdom through love and compassion. And it's very empowering. A lot of people think, oh, having compassion will just make you weak. And it's like, no, compassion actually helps you see the truth. And from that vision, you can make the right choice for yourself. And even little things like seeing the innocence in your pet that is driving you up the wall can be a lesson in that process, right? And you know what? Little puppies like my dog, Rio, he feeds off my energy. So like me getting stressed only makes him more anxious. But when I approach him with love and calmness and acceptance for the little animal that he is, guess what? He becomes a lot more chill and he's much more able to listen to my direction and feel at ease. So it's just like our human relationships. It's really funny, actually. Sometimes it's just so much more simple than we make it, right? So yeah, that's been my higher self lesson this week. The lessons never end, right? All right, with that, let's get to this week's questions. The following question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. 
I'm a new listener to the podcast, but I can already tell it's having a deeply positive effect on my life. Thank you so much and the folks who have asked questions for all the vulnerability, honesty, and ability to hold space for one another. I feel so uplifted and surrounded by love during my commute to work now. I've even noticed my road rage has subdued significantly. So my question for you is regarding money. I harbor a lot of shame and nervousness around money. Here's the backstory. My mother's side of my family is small and well-to-do, and I'm the sole inheritance on that side. My father comes from a huge family and pretty extreme hillbilly poverty. My parents split up when I was one, so I grew up in this dichotomy of these two worlds. We had an actual outhouse at my dad's because putting in a septic tank was too expensive. Even though my parents were together for such a short time, my mom holds a lot of resentment for my dad, especially around money. Anytime I've ever used my own money to help him in any way, even when he was being treated for cancer, she tells me he is just a mooch, which he absolutely is not. But diving into that is a whole different email for another time. So I find myself getting so anxious when I talk about money to basically anyone, even my partner of three years. My fear comes from a feeling that people's views of me will shift so much when they hear what I'm worth. Not that I'm broadcasting that by any means, but I just purchased a house with no mortgage on it, and that comes up in some conversations. I am literally embarrassed to tell people I own a house because I'm worried they won't see me for me. That instead, they'll see someone who doesn't understand struggle or has never had to work hard for anything. But in truth, I've been working hard and making my own money since I was 15 years old and haven't stopped. I moved out of my mom's at 17 and supported myself fully for years until she and I were able to rebuild our relationship. Another source of guilt is I consider myself to be anti-capitalist, but in the society and times we live in, it feels inescapable. I feel like me buying a house while so, so many others can't and may never have that opportunity, I can't say shit about being anti-capitalist. I find it harder and harder to enjoy things like owning a home, going on vacation, taking my partner to nice dinners, etc. Because I feel paralyzed by the guilt of spending money and the knowledge so many people can't do those things. I make a conscious effort to spend my money in ways that help my local community and I donate to a variety of charities and folks experiencing homelessness, but I still feel this deep shame. I know in my heart that even if people's views of me do change, I should just be happy and grateful for the opportunities I have and keep paying it forward, but I'm finding it so difficult not to let the anxiety rear its head when this kind of stuff comes up in conversations, and it's starting to warp my view of myself. Any insight or advice from you or listeners would be much appreciated. Hi, hun. No matter how anti-capitalist you are, the fact remains that we all live in a capitalist system. No one can escape that. Even if you lived off-grid, and that means you live in a state where living off the grid is legal, which is not true of every state, you're still obligated to pay your taxes, which means you're still participating in our economy. Your tax money is still being used to fund the military-industrial complex and all of those types of things. Even if you lived off your land, the land you supposedly own, unless you're a native, that land was stolen from native peoples because of capitalism. So, Being anti-capitalist for anybody is really just believing in an ideology that we should replace capitalism 
with another economic system. It doesn't mean that you have to live outside of the system of capitalism to be anti-capitalist. But let's just take a minute to separate capitalism as an economic system from our learned hierarchical beliefs around money. Our learned hierarchical beliefs, our LHBs, told us that some people are more worthy than others. And how much money we have is just one of the determining factors according to our LHBs. Now, you could say that capitalism is the reason why we equate money with human worth, but if you look around the world at other economic systems like socialism or communism, greed is still very prevalent. Oppression and dominance is still very prevalent. LHBs are still very prevalent because at the heart of the issue, greed is the belief that the more you have, the more you are. And that doesn't have to mean money and possessions. It can also mean power over others. It can also mean having the moral high ground. It could also mean being more patriotic or more nationalistic than others. The problem is the belief in the hierarchy, no matter what rules that hierarchy exists by. Seeing through the lens of your higher self is dismantling hierarchy in itself and seeing all humans as worthy and valuable and deserving of abundance, love, care, and safety. So unless we're getting to the heart of the issue, no matter what you call yourself or what economic system we are living in, greed will continue to cause suffering. You grew up in a home where money was very much seen through the lens of worth. Your mom, because of her own conditioning, looked down on your dad for having less. And so it makes sense that now as an adult, you're still working to see yourself outside of that lens too. Just because you have financial abundance in your life doesn't mean that you believe you're better than other people and it doesn't mean that you should believe you're worse than other people either. Feeling less than because you have money just perpetuates the hierarchy because the whole point is that money and possessions do not equate human value. And if anyone is judging you for not having a mortgage, aka not having debt to a bank, then they are trapped in that hierarchy too. The fact of the matter is everyone should have a home to call their own. No one should have to worry about how they can put food on the table. Feeling guilty for enjoying going out to eat or being able to go on a vacation doesn't serve anyone because it's just perpetuating low self-worth and that only empowers your LHBs. So that being said, when you are in a position of financial privilege, you do have a responsibility to help others in your own unique way. It could be giving to charities like you do, it could be through your creativity or your service, but that's what the path of our higher selves is all about. Our responsibility is to be representatives of love and active participants in dismantling the learned hierarchical beliefs that we have both internally in our personal lives and externally in our community. And we all use whatever assets we have, whatever talents, whatever experiences we have to take part and fulfill our unique role in that, right? So one of your assets is your financial privilege and you can leverage that to help other people, which you already are doing. It's just part of your higher purpose. It's part of the gifts that you've been given in order to show more love in the world. It's not a curse, it's a blessing. And because your higher purpose is to awaken to love and help others awaken, you are the only person who knows what you need to sustain yourself on that journey, right? Pleasure and beauty and joy is a big part 
of that sustainability. It's all about the consciousness with which you live your life. It's all about living from love. If you're going out to eat to feel better about yourself or to feel better than other people, then yeah, that could be an issue. If you're going out to eat to enjoy delicious food and spend quality time with your loved ones and support business and a chef who's expressing their creativity through their cooking and living out their dream, then that is an act of love and that is beautiful. And that love reverberates in our collective consciousness. Shame hinders love. So keep following your heart and let love be your guide. When that is a priority, you really can do no wrong. You're incredibly humble and generous, judging yourself, shaming yourself, putting yourself down. That is antithetical to the love that you have to shine onto the world. Just keep going, keep growing, keep giving, and keep enjoying your life. You deserve it. Hello, Exo Higher Self fam. It's Bunny here. I am so thrilled to announce my debut book, Hello Higher Self, an outsider's guide to loving yourself in a tough world is now available for pre-order. This book is the essential manual for unlearning your limiting beliefs that have been ingrained in you by the toxicity of our culture and your trauma and your socialization. We all have to unlearn this stuff so we can channel the power of our higher self. And everyone who pre-orders this book will receive a special free gift from me to be announced shortly. So hurry to the pre-order link in the show notes and get yourself a copy. I cannot wait for you to read it. Hey, Bunny. This is... um someone calling in who is a longtime listener. Thank you so much for all of your work and this podcast. Um, it's definitely been really life-changing as I try to like get the tools that I need to live the life I want to live. Um, I'm calling with a question about jealousy in a romantic relationship, but it's not romantic jealousy. It's sort of like life jealousy. Um, started dating somebody about six months ago who I really admire and think is like a really special and magical person and um, they have like a big community they have like a lot of people who love them and who they love including like a really tight-knit core group of friends and I see that and I'm like yeah of course like they're such a special person um, so of course but then it started to take like kind of a turn for me where I look at that and I feel jealous and I feel jealous because those things are things I've wanted for myself for so long. Um, like I know that um, this is not necessarily a healthy pattern, but um, one that a lot of us do, which is to really over-focus on what we're lacking. And there's a lot of things in my life I am not lacking and I... Like some part of me is very grateful for that. And another part of me is just so focused on the lack of community, the lack of belonging, the lack of like that tight knit core group that I've been searching for and wanting since I was a teenager. 
and um, I look at what they have and I feel jealous and it makes me want to push away from them. It makes me feel like, well, the hell with this. I should strike out on my own because like I need those things and I can't, I can't get them if I'm in this close relationship to someone who has them. I don't even know if that makes sense because in theory, like we're drawn to people who have something that we want and that we think that we would be benefit from and that our lives will improve. Um, but I don't want to date them because they have the life I want. Um, that feels weird and creepy to me. And that's not the only reason I'm dating them. I'm dating them because I think they're amazing and because I think we're healing together. But there is this jealousy that is like really rearing its head. And I don't know how to remain in the relationship when I feel so like on the outside of it looking in. Um, and I just wonder if you have any reflections about like jealousy and how jealousy can teach us, but also how to like hold jealousy without letting it damage a relationship. Um, yeah, just wonder if you have any insight on that. Thanks so much, Bunny. Hi, sweetheart. You know, your partner has a tight-knit community, but that didn't happen on its own, and it didn't happen because your partner is more special than other people. It happened because your partner manifested it through their actions. They nurture their relationships, they reach out to their friends, they open up, they share themselves, they check in, they make plans. They keep in contact. In other words, it takes a lot of effort to maintain those relationships and being that type of social isn't easy for everyone. I notice a big difference in me and Kara, my partner too. You know, they are like always texting with someone or DMing with somebody and it isn't even necessarily somebody that they know that well. And for me, it's harder to like reach out even when I know it will be good for me. Like sometimes I will be really lonely, but I won't actually try to hang out with anyone. And I think it could be a lot to do with how I grew up. You know, I grew up in a very close family and I mostly hung out with my sisters because of how my mom was raised. She wasn't really into us hanging out with people outside of the family or spending the night at friends' houses or anything like that. She always wanted us home. So most of my friendships now are very familial. And if I don't feel like family with someone already, it's harder for me to like open up. And that's something I'm working on a lot right now, reaching out when it feels uncomfortable. So for some people, it's easier than for other people. It's not a judgment on how valuable you are as a person, how special you are as a person. It has nothing to do with that. It just has to do with how you relate to others. And there's a lot of contributing factors in that. Being social and having that type of friend community might be difficult for you in some ways, but that doesn't mean you aren't worthy of having it, right? You absolutely can have that if you want it. I think we reach a certain age and feel like, oh, we can't make new friends, but that's total BS. So many people want and need new friends. So many people are longing to make more connections, to have more of a social life, to talk to more people. 
to feel cared about, right? So many people are just like you, wanting that sense of community, but what holds them back is questioning whether or not they're worthy of it. Your friendship is one of the greatest gifts you have to offer someone, but it takes being vulnerable and getting out of your comfort zone. I know you see what your partner has as making you feel jealous, but it's not just jealousy. I think it's also inspiration. I think your partner inspires you and it scares you a little bit because it's making you see that you are fully capable of having all the things you want in your life too. You can be the most interesting person in the entire world, but if you don't put effort into making friendships, you won't have friends. It has nothing to do with if you're cool enough or smart enough or special enough. When we feel like we are lacking, we see lack in others as well. Did you ever consider that you might have a really high threshold for who you would try to be friends with? Did you ever consider that having a partner with lots of friends means you get to meet and hang out with new people and possibly get close with them too? Having a community isn't a possession. It's a decision on what you're willing to give. As far as your relationship with your partner, remember both of you have insecurities and fears and sensitivities. This issue might be easy for your partner, but something that you thrive in might be difficult for them. Like you said, both of you are healing together and you're healing together by inspiring each other. So if this is something that you're working on, don't be ashamed to share that with your partner. Ask for their support. Ask for their insights. They obviously know a thing or two about it, right? Make your partner part of your community in this. This is about opening yourself up to possibility and seeing through a new lens, seeing people not through the lens of fear and not being good enough, but through the lens of, hey, that person is beautiful and wouldn't it be interesting to show them some care and compassion? That's what relationships are all about. It really is about how much you're willing to give and whatever you give, you receive. So don't feel discouraged by these feelings of insecurity or jealousy. Don't let that stuff hold you back. You can have every single thing that you really, really want. And I know there are so many people who would absolutely love to hear from you. So make the effort. You got this. The following question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. I was wondering if you would give some advice on job trauma. The first trauma came from my first job out of college. I was so excited to get that job after months of rejections. When I started, my boss told me I was doing a great job. I'd asked for feedback in our weekly touch bases and she would never give me any critical or negative feedback, so I assumed I was doing a good job. When the big annual review came up, she completely destroyed any chance of promotion I had and brought up things that were not even in my purview. She told me that there wasn't budget for a promotion and that next year for sure I would get it. She claimed to give me a horrible review so that next year there could be visible improvement. I was crushed she had not only denied my hard work, but set me up for failure like that without even giving me a heads up. On top of that, co-workers would constantly fight with one another to the point of screaming in the office so loud I couldn't focus and felt physically unsafe at times. Luckily, no one ever fought with me and I kept my head down in the corner cubicle away from the chaos. There was also a lot of unpaid after-hours work that was mandatory because it had to get done. 
I decided to leave that company and I got a very prestigious job I loved. I was promoted twice, but the maximum I could stay on the contract was two years without a master's degree. So I had to get another job or go to grad school. The job I had after that was incredibly toxic. I was harassed by directors, told to wear makeup because I had acne, and wasn't given the tools I needed to do the job. They wouldn't even give me a chair to sit in and there weren't standing desks so I had to use boxes to make myself a chair. At that time, there was no way to work from home. I dreaded going in every day because of the bullying, racism, sexism, and all-around toxic culture. There were absolutely no boundaries, and when I tried to establish boundaries, my boss retaliated by giving me more work or scolded me for not being a team player. She micromanaged me to the point she had to know where I was going to take my lunch breaks and exactly why I needed to take time off and where I was going. My boss threatened it could hurt my performance review if I didn't work overtime for free to show I was a team player. It was so bad that people came to work sick and I contracted the flu and was hospitalized from it in January 2020. It makes me so angry to think about that experience sometimes even though I was able to travel to many amazing places because of that job. It was so bad I would have to go to the bathroom to cry at least twice a week sometimes more because I couldn't regulate my nervous system like I normally would. My boss would never give me feedback when I asked for it and said I was doing a fine job because she didn't want me to quit. She had lost five employees on her team of six, so she needed me more than I needed her because her job was on the line as a result of so many people quitting. Then, when my performance review came, she promised me she'd promote me when we hired more people. But when I asked if she could promote me and rebuild the team, she said no and hired a random guy from her college to fill the position even though he had no experience and I had four years at that point. It was to the point HR stepped in. Luckily, they sided with me and paid me a very large bonus to ensure I didn't sue and they asked me not to leave a negative review on Glassdoor. I took a break to go to graduate school abroad to try and get back to the company I love. I had the absolute time of my life studying and working as a researcher on the side. I got along great with my boss and he has become a real mentor to me. The boundaries in European offices are amazing, comparatively. But now as I complete my degree and move back to the States, I am full of dread and anxiety to go back into the workforce outside of academia. Every time I get feedback, even from interviews, I assume the person is lying to me because of those past experiences. I'm afraid I'm actually a terribly incompetent person and a bad employee. I don't want to work so hard to have it overlooked and unrewarded. I know from both these toxic experiences, the executives at the companies were impressed with my work and that the direct managers prioritized their interests over doing the right thing. I love my field of work. But I am not only terrified I won't get a job in this market, I'm terrified that my next boss will end up being as toxic as the past two. I'm also afraid of going back into the office around the pandemic since I haven't been in an office since March 2020 and that flu incident really freaked me out. I feel silly even saying that I have trauma from past jobs. You should be able to leave your 9 to 5 at the door of the office and live your life. I've tried to talk to my family, friends, and my partner about it, but they all say I'm being too sensitive. I know I should feel grateful for even having the opportunities to work and to go to graduate school, so I feel guilty about the anxiety I have surrounding the future of going to work. How can I start healing from those two traumatic experiences? And is this normal to feel traumatized by bullying and toxicity in the workplace? 
Thank you for everything. Oh, sweetheart, I am so sorry that you had those horrible experiences. You are not being overly sensitive. I mean, those experiences were traumatic. They were abusive. They violated your trust. They were not safe. At a full-time job, you spend a majority of your life there. Nine to five is like the entire day. Work relationships and work environments have a huge impact on your life, on your emotional health, on your emotional safety, on your spiritual life. It makes total sense that you would feel apprehensive about a new job and it makes total sense that you need healing from that. But the good thing is now you know what to look for and what is important at a job for you. Having a healthy work environment is the number one priority. And now that you are looking for a new job, that is absolutely something you can and should inquire about. What is this company's philosophy on communication, on mutual respect, on boundaries, on how they show value to their employees? What is their turnover rate? What is their history and their reputation? Research, ask these questions, ask questions about boundaries, ask questions about communication. Remember, a job is a collaboration with a company. They need you as much as you need them. And when you know that internally, you can feel empowered in your choices. Even though those experiences were so difficult, they also taught you very valuable lessons. What red flags to look out for, how valuable you are as an employee, the difference between being a team player and being taken advantage of. There is no such thing as working for free. Work means compensation. I know that your friends and family are telling you not to be too sensitive because they are trying to help. You know, they're trying to encourage you to move forward. And they're trying to do that because they love you. But the thing is, we've all been so conditioned to not think that our work environments have to be safe environments, right? Because for generations and generations, toxic culture was just accepted in the workplace. I remember when I was working at a restaurant back when I used to wait tables and the uniform that we had to wear was like this dress, this like short dress. And I was in the kitchen and like the head chef, like trigger warning for sexual assault, but the head chef um, put his like hand, like grabbed my private area from behind of the skirt in the kitchen. And it was like, I was immediately upset and kind of like ran away. But the thing that really stuck out about that experience was I remember going to a coworker who was my friend at the time and being really upset and like crying and being like, oh, the chef just did this. And she was like, oh, that's what cooks do. Cooks just do that. And I think that is a result of the mentality of, you know, we've just been conditioned to accept this type of abuse from our supposed superiors in a workplace. And it's really hard for people to see outside of that lens. But that's what we have to do, right? We have to tear that down. Toxic work culture has existed for generations. And now so much of this stuff is only beginning to come to the surface. Think about the reckoning that's happening right now in the film industry. The main union for film and entertainment workers have been threatening to go on strike. And there's all these workers who are publicly coming out with these like 
horror stories of mistreatment on film sets. There's even an Instagram dedicated to these stories. And if you read some of it, it's just like so brutal. Because for so long, it was just acceptable behavior to treat crew members and PAs like crap. But now people are coming together and they're speaking out and they're like, no, we don't deserve this. The only way to change things is when we demand better, when we speak out, and when we prioritize ourselves. All of this experience is only making you stronger and more wise, a better employee, smarter, more creative, and more empowered. These are the experiences that I know will just guarantee more of your success in life. You're so incredibly intelligent. You're so incredibly insightful, thoughtful. The fact that you require a healthy environment isn't a weakness. That is a strength because that means your standards are going to be what you deserve. So please don't feel discouraged. I know that it can be scary to demand better for yourself, but when you do it, that's what the universe gives back to you. I know you're going to find the right place to work. I know you're going to find the right work relationships. Have faith in yourself. Have faith in your gifts. Have faith in your higher self because your higher self is guiding you to those places. Your future is so bright. You're going to be an incredible boss to employees in your future. You're part of the new paradigm. You're a pioneer in that. So it's going to take some courage, but you got this. Just keep going. You're doing amazing. Hi, Bunny. Uh, I'm calling. I, I think I tried to leave a voice message before, but I'm re-recording it. Um, I just want to say thank you for all your work and, uh, and providing the space for listeners to feel connected and realize that we're all, you know, all one going through different uh, experiences that are all uh, at the same time leading us to the same place of love. Um, I think something I'm kind of struggling with right now is my uh, life experience of being in, in, in school and in college and my uh, feelings towards the place where my college is, which is Los Angeles. And um I think every year, every semester, I have tried to leave um, or just felt like really uncomfortable and like out of place and unsafe in my school and in Los Angeles. And um, for, I mean, for a lot of different reasons, but the number one reason, the number one, I just think LA to me doesn't feel like a place where I belong. Um, and you know, whether it's like the amount of time you spend in the car or just everything's so spread out or just the culture there and not really a lot of access to green space and, and, uh, and natural, I don't know, like nature, I guess. And, um, and just very polluted and I just feel very kind of trapped. And, um, I took some time off from being there and being at school. And that really helped my mental health and my sense of self. And I got to do a lot of inner work and also then do a lot of solo travel um, to places throughout uh, the country and California that felt like I was much better suited for, um, where I got to connect to my purpose and to nature and to working in gardens and on farms. Um, 
but now I'm back in LA and I feel really like I'm, I feel like a really strong reaction has come up in me where I just feel like I had to go back to the mental state and the trauma that I have there. Um, and I can't tell if it's the place or if it's me, you know, is this place mirroring, uh, parts of me that are unhealed or should I just not stay in a place that makes me feel like this, um, you know, I've done a lot of internal work enough to know that the external world is always kind of reflecting back to us. But I can't tell because, like, I just took a weekend trip to another part of California that I really, like, have a lot of connections and friends and feel good in. It just feels like a weight is lifted, like I can breathe. So I don't know. I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Uh, thank you for your time. And have a good day. Bye. It's true that our outer reality is a reflection of our inner reality, but we are still very much working on our inner reality, right? In healing. And there are some environments that better support that process. This world is challenging on a lot of levels. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of distraction. Channeling our higher selves takes a lot of dedication and practice. Well, only you know what you need to do that and keep it sustainable. It's true our higher selves never leave us, no matter where we are. But we can make it easier on ourselves by curating our lives with that priority in mind. Sometimes it's as simple as having a clean bedroom to declutter your mind or lighting your favorite candle. Sometimes it's literally the city that you live in. I think the reason why being around nature is so helpful to healing is because nature is such a great teacher. Everywhere you look, you see the cycle of growth. You see the forms of this world appear and disappear. It's easier to remember that you are nature as well. You are alive and evolving and transforming and healing. We get so caught up in our thinking minds, we forget to just be. And nature is always just being, just surrendering to what it is. When I think about nature, I also think a lot about adapting. No matter what happens, we adapt. And I think that is one of our greatest powers. So yes, I can totally relate to your feelings and intuition about wanting to live somewhere new. I'm not sure how long you have left in college, if it's not too much longer, you could always try to stick it out and then move afterwards. Or if you do decide to leave and it takes some time to figure out the logistics, there are ways to connect to nature in Los Angeles as long as you have to be there, right? So make sure to prioritize trips to the beach or hikes because that's what keeps you inspired. And that's like one of the greatest lessons, right? You're learning what helps you right now. And you can implement those realizations in little ways, just like big ways, right? So make sure even when you're still working on whether or not you're going to be there, you're going to leave LA or not, make sure that you're prioritizing your spiritual practice in your day, no matter where you are. And from that place, when you are really grounded in your higher self, when you're doing that practice, that's when you can have the insights on what decisions are going to be right for you, right? So before I'd make any huge decision on whether or not to move, I would make sure that I spent at least a week or two meditating, journaling, you know, really trying to get peaceful within so that you can 
ask your higher self, okay, what are you guiding me to do here? Is it to stay and transform my life here to be more suitable to what I need for my spirituality? Or is it to change my environment and to move? Only you can answer that question, but I think you really need to make sure to get yourself into a place where you can really channel in and find that guidance. Either way, it's obvious to me that you are very much in touch with your higher self and are tuning in to what your heart is guiding you to do. You do know how to do that, so keep going. And it's so beautiful, and it is such a gift that you have that sensitivity. It's not always easy to trust that guidance because it requires courage and it requires faith. But I'm really excited for you, no matter what you end up deciding, because your heart speaks so loudly. I mean, you're just radiating love. So keep going. You really can do no wrong. Well, that wraps up episode 60. Thank you so much for being here. Remember, sign up. For the angels tier on the patreon so you can attend the live show october 23rd hop onto the discord lots of people are on there sharing advice and chatting with each other it's really really lovely it's the higher self community discord take care of yourself be patient with yourself remember if there's some kind of decision that you're struggling with don't rush it take time Get quiet with yourself. Really spend some quality solitude time with your higher self because I promise you when you surrender to your higher self, you will receive the message. You will know in your heart what your next step should be. It's really just a matter of you trusting yourself enough to take the time for that process. All right, y'all. Have an amazing week. Have fun. Do some fun self stuff reach out to people remember friendships don't happen unless you put the effort towards it right and i'm saying that for myself too i'm working on that too so you're not alone we all need each other i mean it's just the truth we're that's the type of creatures we are we need community we need support we need love and that's why we're all here right listening to each other's stories because it makes us feel less alone Because we're actually not alone. And truth, we're all just kind of one consciousness, right? We're actually all just one. So that's why it's important to stay connected. Okay? All right. Have an amazing week. I love you so much. And so does your higher self. See you next time. Bye. Exo Higher Self is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, hosted by me, Bunny Michael, produced by Kara Gilvey, with original music and sound mixing by Michael Bihari. 